So in this practice we're looking very directly and try to be as clear, simple, direct in terms of what, how you know when we meditate. That's the kind of uh, way or the vision or the approach to be very clear and direct, not to add a lot of assumptions, <coughs> structures that aren't necessary and yet to be able to use structures mm. breathing some simple things, breathing standing, the presence of the body sense of change qualities of kindness you know. mm. put aside a kind of speculations on the nature of soul or spirit or the transcendent or ultimate or enlightened and you know just put that on hold for a while. <laughs> Try to look very directly. <coughs> Even things like spirituality of a certain kind of nuance. We're just looking directly at what's happening to uh, this human system. Mm. These these five aggregates we've been talking about. And the fifth, uh, consciousness, uh, is the basic receiver of impressions. Eye consciousness receives visual, body consciousness receives tactile, ear, nose, tongue receive all these different... uh, they differentiate in terms of tasting and smelling and seeing. They're very different. The sight of an apple is a very different experience than the taste of an apple. Completely yeah. different experience. No way. You can't, you can't really put those two in the same equations. But you have mind consciousness, which is the one that says that taste and that sight belong together. So you know when you want that taste, you go to that visual thing. So mind consciousness receives the others, receives all this thing, and it has an action. It acts. Its action is called chitta, mind. Not really separate. It's, it's, you know, it's not it's the chitta and consciousness is not exactly the same. They're not exactly separate. Chitta is just the is the action, loosely speaking. It tells you what things mean. Has perceptions in it. Tells you how things feel. And tells you what to do about it. It's <coughs> right to the impulses. Chitta. This is sitting there. This aspect, the active or the engaging aspect of mind consciousness. Mind consciousness we consider like a bucket. You know, it just receives things. And uh, essentially it receives the sense impressions from the others. When you look with your eyes, you know, you see lights and shapes. Something says that's, you know is able to make sense of that in terms of distance visual experience 
it differentiates is this is the looker and that's the object I am looking at that there's some basic differentiations and out of this differentiations comes chitta it's a kind of actor the one that sorts things out the one that, that acts it acts, it produces thoughts and impressions and feelings and perceptions and memories and all these <coughs> are actions they're also received into consciousness so in any moment we have both the sense things coming from the eyes and then the ears, the nose, the tongue and then things coming from the mind all these milling around in mind consciousness all received or falling into the stream of mind consciousness yeah, so when you what is mind consciousness you say what is it that receives everything everything you can know taste, touch see, think, feel that's landing here what's here mind consciousness so behind your thoughts what is it that that receives the thought the thought rises, ceases there's something there that receives it that's your mind consciousness it's actually quite not exactly passive but it's receptive it could you could also say it's the aspect of mind as the receiver you know these things are not exactly razor sharp clear cut but we mostly say that chitta is the is the actor the formulator the impulse giver the meaning ascriber consciousness is just the recipient it's a recipient of sights and sounds touches it's recipient of mind stuff. It's the recipient of karma. You know, everything we say or do that has an effect, it like strikes the bell, has a strong effect, that resonance is left there. So consciousness is steered along through karma. This means we may be very, very highly sensitive to aspects of engineering and completely don't know a thing about cooking. Yeah. Or you might have a very strong aesthetic sense. Some things really offend you about colour or shape or form or excite you. And other things, you know, about accounts, mathematics, driving, just doesn't happen. So this is the karma. It shapes what we are sensitive to, what we're receptive about. This is the result of citta, what we've acted upon, what we've directed ourselves to has its result. So citta also shapes up the way our consciousness receives things, what it turns to, what it's is open to what it's closed to, what it's what it's frightened of, what it's overwhelmed by. You know, so as we grow in our lives, you know, from being little tots, 
baby's womb coming out, very small consciousness grows. It grows more. It inherits karma. It grows in accordance with what happens, what actions we engage with, what gets landed on it. So we learn all kinds of things. We learn about our bodies. We learn about other people. We learn about engines and animals and you know, groups and societies, things like that, shape us. We also learn about fear. We learn about greed. We learn about violence. We learn about blame. We learn about these things. These are things that happen to us in the mind. That affects the mind consciousness. What it's receptive to, whether it's trusting, confident, open, brittle, reactive. Yeah. <coughs> So mind consciousness is not some kind of neutral. It's always sankharad. As they say, vijapachaya sankara sankara pachaya vijnana. Consciousness arises molded by sankara, molded by actions, molded by results of actions, molded by formulations, molded by what it's been attuned to. Just like we might say, you know, an instrument could be tuned to one key or another key. High pitch, low pitch, out of tune. So consciousness is, is, when we say it's sankara, it means it's tuned, it's programmed, it's it's turned towards. It's, It's restricted or in some way it's shaped. So this stream of consciousness just like any other stream, is shaped by effects. Mind consciousness, what, what we receive, what we don't receive, how we receive things, how sensitive we are, how, what particular sensitivities. These are the basic mindsets. So there's not one of them. It's not that we're all, I'm just a fear being or a rage being or a love being or a, uh, pure being, all kinds of beings. There's all sorts of streams in there. It's not just one sankara. There's lots of them. <laughs> so there's all this, you know, shaping us up. <clears throat> what we're receptive to is sort of helpless, seemingly. But then, of course, the training is that citta, you know, can stand back from this and decide what action to take, and that action will have results. We can tune it up, we can open it up, we can firm it up, we can soften it, we can heal it, or the chitta can, it's action. And the first action, of course, is just getting the chitta, the active mind, in good enough shape to know what it's doing, um, to be clearer, to be uh, witnessing. You just get a perspective. Sometimes that takes a while. It's just, it's just kind of just running around. 
So just getting the mind to witness what's going on, and not just to witness the thoughts, the feelings, but the overall trends is very important. You've got to start to get this after a year or two. You see particular, not just particular thoughts or feelings, but particular patterns. I go into worry. I've got things about getting things done. You know, I have strong activities happen when it comes down to doing something. I get urgent or panicky or I procrastinate. Or I got things about other people, you know, like feeling lonely or feeling isolated or feeling, God, I wish I'd get away from people, you know, either too much contact or not enough contact. I have things about myself, you know, I have a low opinion of myself or I feel a victim, or I feel confident, or whatever it is. So we start to see broad patterns arising. Uh, and these are much more important, actually, than just the thoughts and the feelings. They're kind of... But the patterns, these give you the sense of the, the broad karmic tendencies that there are. Yeah. I really just want to quieten or steady or deal with the things, thoughts and emotions to an extent in which they're no longer really the main issue. You can see through them just like seeing through the ripples on a stream to look at the underlying currents. I don't get dazzled by it. So this takes some time because generally our tuning is to get very involved with thoughts because that's what we act upon. Hmm? So, do this, do that, think, figure this, plan this, sort this out. So we're actually looking at the dazzling ripples on the surface of the stream. And of course, for many people, that's as far as it goes. Unless you meditate, you don't go any deeper than that. When we practice meditation, then... For example, doing anapanasati, using the breathing, just to more or less tie up, tidy up the thinking mind, the agitated body, just to sort of stabilize. All those activities of tightness or restlessness, compression, dullness, staleness, whether they're physically felt, emotionally felt, just steadying it so it becomes... And you can start to witness more clearly the underlying patterns. <coughs> the basic activities, you might say, because these are the important ones. And you might say the primary activity, which is good to, to just sort of put on the blackboard, as it were, is becoming. Now, that's just a word, but what this uh, means, I would suggest, or one way of looking at it, that the first kind of action, it's hardly an action, it's, it's subtle, because it's going on all the time, we don't really notice it, because it's the the... Uh, fundamental action you know, it's there so we don't really see it arising but we see 
details of it. And becoming, we can say, first of all, look at a mind moves into past. So once you that very sense of past, what is past? What is the past? You know, when you actually just put that word on the table, how come, why should your mind go into the past? What's the point? Why does he do that? What, you know, what's happening? And how true is that? And you notice, at least I notice, that my mind goes into the past, picks up some particular detail, and makes a big deal out of it. And after a while I get a sneaking suspicion, actually, that event, if it happened at all, wasn't really like that. I was with someone a couple of days ago, we actually were in a courtroom, or in a trial, and he was making a decision as to whether to appeal or not appeal, anyway, it doesn't really matter, but a particular decision about whether to go into this case or not, and then... Um, some the group who was with him said, "Well, why don't you just, you know, basically, um, you know, pay a small amount of money and drop the whole procedure?" And he thought, "Yeah, that's what I'll do." And there was no doubt. And then, within having done that, within an hour or so, he started to think, "Did I do the right thing? Was it right? Was it wrong?" And it's a very different person, you know. In that, pre- he could look back at the past and redefine it as to what happened. Actually, it was very obvious what was what happened from my perspective. You know, see, the, he got a lot of advice from other people. This is what you should do, and uh, particular situation was what it was. It was a way of getting out of a very awkward, tangled situation. But then we looked at it an hour later. He, he didn't notice any of that. He just could only look at it in terms of I did right or I did wrong without recognizing all the conditions, all the circumstances that were happening at that time. Simply when one reviews the past, you don't really, you can't, can't go there actually. You can only go to a sense of regret of nostalgia, of bitterness, of um, affection, whatever it is. You go to particular senses. You go with particular senses and they create a past for you. You put them in that box called past. (laughs) And the mind creates this little box called past. And then you put a flavor in it and this whole scenario happens. I should have done this. Wasn't it great when it was like that? That was really terrible. The first thing it does, it creates a box, a little packet called past. And we become something in that past. And then what we become depends upon the mood, the emotion, the trigger you know, that you know, activates and jitter moves into the past and creates obediently a world of people, events, passions, feelings, 
You know, sometimes might feel my past more intensely than the present. Why is that? Why can you be sitting here in a meditation retreat and suddenly, you know, what what might have happened 15 years ago comes up with blazing intensity, so much so you don't notice, you know, what's happening here. That's the power of that, to become something in the past. Yeah. And what we become is all these old karmic tendencies arise. The biggest one, of course, is just to, to be something at all. And we become something in the past. Or we have a box called future, which is full of expectation or anxiety, worry, uncertainty, ambition, urgency. Looking forward to dreading hmm? but what future it's even more indefinite than the past isn't it <coughs> but the mind you know we this box called future that's generated out of becoming there's an activity called becoming that generates this little future channel And then within that, you get these karmic tendencies arise within that. What future? Who's there? Who's there in the future? Who's there in the past? What past? You know, you take a selected fragment. Who selected it? Who selected it? Irritation selected it. Uh, Anxiety selected it. Nostalgia selected it. Mm -hmm. And then that's what we become. So very much one of the obvious, uh, almost cliches actually in the meditation circles is coming into the now, the present. There's past, so we say, what is actually happening now? Mm. So there's the feeling, the joy, the excitement, the irritation, the boredom, <coughs> the restlessness, whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. Just, just uh, then, you know, uh, the present, the past, or even the present as being a particular place or time. Just a sense of hovering above or around, or however you like to say it, hovering in relationship to these currents, these tendencies. We can do that, you know. That's what chitta can do. It can not quite land. You know, we can suspend it. It's called viveka, non-attachment. Just lifting it from real engagement with those currents. It doesn't seem very impressive because those currents are still rolling. 
Yes, the first thing is the mindfulness and full awareness to to lift by clearly knowing the feeling, the passion, not believing in the box, future, past. These boxes are, of course, they 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 arise quite naturally for a very good purpose. This is the way sentient creatures live live their lives and above all humans we aim we remember that's how come we're so good at doing what we do but there's also a time to say come out of the box right we don't need it don't you know you can use it you don't want to be compulsive about it is there a possibility to suspend the future suspend the past Even more uh, intrinsic in becoming is becoming a sense of me, sense of self. Uh, we know that whatever name I give that, whether I'm happy, angry, joyful, bright, inspired, irritable, changes. And yet the box remains. The label remains. The room remains with guests travelling through it. And from time to time, there's a there's a real <coughs> engagement with that one. That box becomes very important. Gain its natural enough experience to know who you are. And yet, it is a box. Because it's, uh, and it's an unsatisfied one. Things are always changing and shifting through it. Because it is purely a structure, not actually uh, an entity and if uh, the degree to which our energies go into state trying to stabilize satisfy complete fulfill purify perfect that then you know there's there's frustration because it isn't going to (laughs) happen Because it isn't actually a solid, real thing. So it's a purely a mental structure, and it it's it carries the it carries the flavour or the characteristic of what we put into it. So if we try to perfect ourselves, it carries the flavour of trying and perfectionism. If we try to, uh, you know not care about ourselves, it carries the flavour of nonchalance, laissez-faire, indifference. There's no way, you know, as soon as this box arises, there's no way that, uh, you know, if you go into it in any way at all, that uh, you don't create or get caught up in the particular flavouring the action, the sankara, 
to be something, even being nothing, you know, to be humble, to be devotional, to be something. Not these actions are wrong. In fact, action is necessary. But that the sense of really, you know, looking to solidify that, looking to be that, looking for that to reside in consciousness with nothing else. Nothing to jolt it, nothing to nudge it, nothing to go against it. Consciousness receives everything. In mind, consciousness receives old karma, old actions. Sooner or later, that's going to jolt up against one's any structure that we create. (coughs) You know, when you try to be a monk or a nun, good monk, good nun, you know, then, then what jolts against that are the passions, the irritations, the things we think are not good. And maybe you know, it's not they are good. You know. But if you identify with any particular personhood, then that will always be less than you know, what, what your consciousness has received in your life. So there'll always be this friction, you know, this feeling of not good enough, your box isn't good enough. But any, no box is going to be good enough. So we have to come out of the box, you know, to handle, to be with the whole range of mind consciousness of what karma is there, of what the inheritance is, it's fearful, crabby, impatient, you know, dull, all of, you know, this of course is the big trial, isn't it? You know, how we manage somehow to be aspirants, to be Buddhists, to be meditators, to be monks, to be nuns, to be anagarikas and so forth, with all kinds of things that don't fit into those categories happening. You know, with <laughs> shadow stuff. As long as they're actually not somehow at least acknowledged, then your box just gets tight, defended. And yet, if you don't have some sense of, well, there's a, you know, it may not be a self, but there's some direction here, then we get flooded. So, how to hold a direction towards. You know, kindness, purity, strength, determination, without making a self out of it. And it is actually, it is work because, you know, one of the things about establishing a personality is you can just kind of be one and then you just keep denying everything outside of that. <laughs> I'm a good person, therefore I don't have any anger, ill will, lust. <laughs> just didn't happen to me. It's your fault. You know, when you meditate, you can only do that for so long. Or you start to actually... It's just, you know, if you're human, this is what's going on. You know? Somebody please tell the truth. (laughs) You know? So rather than, oh, no, 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 you know, it doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen, it shouldn't happen, 
whatever, or it won't happen in the future. If I was this, it wouldn't be that way. All this future box, past box, me box, you know, come out of it. And then it takes work to both to own up and then actually just say, I can be patient with, I can be firm with, I can be clear with, I can be spacious with these elements. You know, so that takes that's action. And there's a certain requirement, virya, vigor. You know, persistent vigor. It doesn't mean, you know, flogging yourself silly, but it means you're definitely applying carefully, persistently, you know, and investigating. These are enlightenment factors. And so, you know, this is what we're bringing chitta in educating in terms of these factors to persist, to investigate, to, you know, and the further investigate, you know, what feelings as they come and go, emotions as they pass, qualities of them, and bringing up with persistence a sense of harmlessness and patience and faith and, you know, Clarity. So all this you know, equanimity. You know, these are many, many lists of things that we try to induce through this relationship between chitta and consciousness, between what we act upon and what we receive. So that what we receive, what comes up, in consciousness does not have to actually take over and be acted upon in terms of citta. And it's, it's not a really a clear border, but there's, a, there's moments when, you know, you can feel you actually, something that you just bites, something you takes hold. Your latent tendencies for views, for stubbornness, for irritation, for craving and so forth, for becoming kind of well up, and then we act, we engage with them. So most of our practice is actually, you know, firming up the citta, the sense of where we act from, and then receiving what comes up. And using these simple means, walking, standing, breathing, and the rest of it, to <coughs> harness the channel, to contain, to moderate the flow. Although basically, the real practice is wisdom. Now the box we have is, is other people. We have a box called self, we have a box called others. Yeah. So, you know, we just bring up the word other. Oh God, no! You know, or oh, it'd be nice. <laughs> Let's go and meet some other people. Oh, do I have to? You know, or oh, wonderful chance. You know, we'll go and sit together as a group. Oh no, I can be on my own. Yeah. Other, you know, what does that bring up? What goes in that box? Sometimes we long for it. Sometimes we dread it. Who are other people? 
And sooner or later in our meditation we find the significant other people. I mean, there's somebody who really gets on my nerves. He breathes. One thing I can't stand is people breathing. You know, every time I sit down and hear this, why does he have to breathe? I want to kill him, <laughs> breathing. And at that moment, it does not seem like an unfair assessment. You know, I mean, people breathing, they deserve to be murdered. People with squeaky jackets, people who fidget, people who sneeze, you know. Uh, you know, so, and it's funny how, you know, you, we miss everything else. We don't recognize the harmlessness, the whatever. We just notice one particular feature, that becomes the other. So who are these other people? You know? And how, just as in the future of the past, you find there's maybe one, two elements come up at any particular time that becomes the other. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it? Or is it possible to let other people be slightly mystery? You know, just be open, receptive, and takes a lot of confidence actually to not be on your guard against, to not be leaning on, to not be reaching out to, to not be placating, trying to win over, you know, judging, nervous. It takes a lot of practice. You have to know, this is where, you know, retraining the chitta, to know its own mindfulness, patience, energy, its own joyfulness, these enlightenment factors are the factors that help us to come out of the box. The mind is then not easily shaken with craving when you have ease and joy in your mind. The mind is not easily shaken when it has concentration, when it's steady, when it's unified and stable. The mind is not easily seduced when it has mindfulness an investigation. Let me look at that. Hmm. When it really relies on those, it doesn't easily get so seduced into these boxes that trap us and end up being breeding places for restlessness and passion, worry, intimidation, and then all the complexities that can come out of, particularly out of these four, self, other, past, future. What I should do or could do, maybe one of those, but then that might not happen. So perhaps I should plan this. But on the other hand, you better be careful about that. But I don't want to make too, you know, wow. Or other people. I think you're the kind of person who thinks this about me. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's not a simple thing, is it? Because I think you're the kind of person who thinks this about me, I feel I should do this to you. So we've created like five actions, and uh, or maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't. Perhaps I'm the sort of person who needs to be the sort of person who shouldn't do that to you because they think that you might, you know, wow, get so you know those boxes take us down these these karmic corridors, and we get our lives become extremely complex and dense 
and lose the openness, lose the space. And coming out of the box. Maybe the first thing is just to know it is. Know there are these. And that actually citta, you know, which in a way is our I sense, the real point, the leader. There is this, an I sense. It's not actually a, an autonomous thing, but there's an I sense. We make a choice. We keep it that you always look to that possibility of choosing. You don't, have to, don't even have to have a choice, but that sense in which you could stop, move, change. This way, that sense of what is it that's there at that place of pure potential, where you don't know, you haven't chosen the past, the future, who you are, what you should be. You just hmm. Let's just wait. Let's just open to that. So, and then you really, you know, this we might say is the where the enlightenment factors come in. They strengthen around this, this potential for clarity. It's potential because there's a certain freedom in that. We're not tied to future, past, self or other a particular moment that's where, you, that's where that's the seed of freedom that's if you like the bodhicitta and then this is where the, you know it needs firming up it gathers up just looking you know now we're very much under the impression of being in a three-month retreat, it's been third month, there's so many weeks to go, we've done this. We're very much in the impression that these people I spent time with, I know who they are, roughly speaking, he's a good guy, you know, she's fine, I have difficulties with it, you know, it's, it's, there's all this, you know, quite solid dimensionality. And yet, you know, can we just at this point, uh, don't know, you know, at least sort of suspend that, that possibility. What would it be like if we didn't have those, if those boxes weren't there? You know, to me, it's just exciting to, to, to even have that idea. Just to, you know, ah. Without even stopping them being there, but to just acknowledge... I can sort of separate from that. I can see myself go into those. I can see myself add details to it. Or I can just lift, pull out of that, say these are the boxes. Where do they pull? What's the one that says you should be one of these by now? You should, you should, you should. Why are you? You are this, you are that. You're not this, you're not that. You haven't got there yet. You should be one of these. Woo. Lot in there. So let's just lift. 
Because there's no way in which right now you can be what you should be. You can't be something and be a should at the same time. You know, whatever you should be, right now it's this. So, okay. How is it? And what does it take to allay, to calm, to steady all those currents of fear, of nervousness, of urgency, of passion, or whatever it is, you know? Aspiration. Just so there. Oh. Mm. So in this way we are uh, that sense in which our those currents, not that they're not haven't got their truth, the impressions of the past, the impressions of other people, the impressions of ourselves. Just saying these are not these are not you know, don't they don't have a truth, but also they don't have a cessation. They don't have a place where they're gonna go to where it's all sorted. We don't even have to not have that, but just to be able to lift from that so that if we do wish to engage with self, other, future, past, we do from a place of clarity and choice and with some resources, with a sense of, you know, bringing the good into that, bringing the, you know, the friendliness or the forgiveness or the firmness or the honesty or whatever into that. So there's good karma. And also, for good karma, there's the ability just to check out from that. And realize the karma that leads to the end of karma is generating these enlightenment factors. They will actually support the citta in its pure presence where it doesn't have to go into the stream of mind consciousness doesn't have to engage with it be freed from the jitta can be released So if we just being able to, you know, get some perspectives on what's going on in these boxes, they are they are obvious, they're natural, they're necessary boxes, you might say, for sentient life. And yet, just look at the flavorings, the colorings. Don't get lost in them. And then being able to come out. So we begin to check this tide of becoming, called a flood by the Buddha, a flood of becoming. It's a real passion, it's a real drive that uh, is right there. That's what's sankharad in, that's what's programmed into consciousness. That's why it's always said, avijja, from ignorance, from not knowing, from obscurity, Programs get implanted into consciousness, and these, this is the basic one: being something, becoming something. Yeah. 
That's the way consciousness is. And yet, we can, there can be a knowing of that and uh, a release from that.